So the New York Post put an article out yesterday that said artificial intelligence computers have detected dozens of alien radio signals out in space focused in one area. They're slowly tricking it out, trickling, trickling it out to us via the Brookings Institute report from the 60s that said they should trickle out alien information to us slowly. And I think that's coming to fruition. You're listening to Frank at Sniper's Hide, and this is the Everyday Sniper Podcast. Sorry for the delays, guys. I've been traveling around. It's been super nuts um, between the plane rides and all that and getting ready to go again. We got the Precision Rifle Expo this weekend. I'm going to try to dodge the hurricane, and hopefully I don't have any drama with the flight from Colorado to um, Atlanta, Georgia. Then I got to drive down to Blakely. They're, uh, Phil, everybody's saying it's still on and it's good. So if you're actually evacuating, I would recommend evacuating further south to Blakely, Georgia. And then you can come down and do the Precision Rifle Expo because really, what else are you going to do? Your house is going to be wiped away by a hurricane. So you might as well come and hang out with us and have fun and laugh about it. You know, it's like one day your house is there. The next day it's in the Atlantic Ocean somewhere. Oh, well, maybe invest in scuba gear. No, I'm only kidding, guys. I, hopefully, everybody's going to be safe and you get away from the storm surges and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, we will be in Georgia. We are going through with the Precision Rifle Expo uh, Saturday and Sunday. We'll be doing some little uh, fundamental clinics, and I'm going to bounce around and see what I can visit. Uh, but man, I want to just talk about Canada for a minute. What a great trip up there. Uh, Harley and Andy from Insight Arms. You guys may be familiar with Insight. They do the heathen break. Uh, you know, they're, they're getting, you know, they're popular guys up in the PRS area of Canada. They, I know they donated some stuff to the Meaford match and a few other things going on. This class was mainly for their clients and it was awesome that everyone in the class had like brand new insight rifles. These things are hammers. They, they made the class go so well. I mean, the only thing we had to do is I moved about three or four scopes forward and back because when I changed people's positions in the beginning, a little different format this time, uh, you know, for guys keeping track and just to let you know my thought process and stuff. So we did the classroom at their shop, which was about 35 minutes away from the range. So I didn't, I wasn't able to do the eval the way I normally do, where I just take you right outside and shoot, do the eval and all that stuff. But it worked out well. Um, the new PowerPoint that I did, this is going to be probably the one, uh, right now it will be the last one for Alaska that I, in for mile high, but also it'll probably be the one I start out with next year, barring some minor tweaks, but it's definitely been tweaked from the last block of classes. You know, we saw some things with trends. Uh, you know, I talk about trends all the time. So I saw some trends and I adjusted the PowerPoint to address the trends to give guys more practical information. Uh, again, um, then, um, well, yeah. But anyway, so then we go out to the range, and this was a field course range. Man, it was fun. The target package that Harlan and Andy and those guys put out was super, super fun. And we had a full class, 16 students and all. And because it wasn't like we normally do, which if you take a look at like, you know, we go 200, 300, 400 and so on. 
Well, this wasn't set up that way. So I divided the guys up and we had segments. So there was a shorter segment, you know, like 200 meter to about four or 500 meter. Then there was like a mid-range segment, which was like three, 400 meter to about 600 meter. Then there was a little longer segments, the eights, the nines, the thousands. Then it went all the way out to a mile. We had a 1438 meter, you know, a, a 13, and then there was a, a mile. It was actually like 30 yards short of a mile. So it was, I was able to kind of split the class up and then come down and work on everybody one-on-one. These guys took instruction really well. There's some great images on Facebook, and I'll put them over on Sniper's Hide, uh, that Andy and those guys took. Uh, like I said, really good class with an open-minded, great bunch of shooters. We got everybody on target. We, I, the, the, on Sunday, you know, we started poking out. There was a lot of 300 Normas in the class, and the Normas you know, just performed fantastic. The winds picked, it was funny, Saturday we had like beautiful day, just enough wind to make it sporty, not too much to really mess anybody up, you know, but you you, you had to be on your game because the, the terrain, the terrain was the, the biggest factor in the wind on Sunday because you'd have wind shadows, you, you'd have a little bit of increase at the top of the ridge lines, and then you'd have a, a, a mid-range sort of in there where where a target was in line, you know, with the, with the different effects and from the direction of wind. Well, then on Sunday, wind jumped up. You know, we're getting some crazy winds to the effect that the 300 Normas at a mile were using six mils of wind. Now, just to give you an example, because I checked this with those guys, one of them, um, you know, they were anywhere from five and a half to six mils of wind, depending on the rifle. One was a little longer than the other. But I asked one of the guys that used six mils of wind, I said, okay, go into your elevation and tell me what six mils would get you with your rifle and setup right now. And for elevation, if this guy dialed six mils on his scope, he would hit a 1,040 meter target. Okay? So think about that. He was using the same wind to sh- that you would shoot elevation-wise a 1,000-yard target. How crazy is that? That's just nuts. But these guys were getting good hits. I mean, we, th- that 1438 target, a lot of people shot. We had like max hits on it by noon. They went out at noon and did a little touch-up on some of this stuff. And on Sunday, they had four times, five times more hits on Sunday than they did uh, Saturday. Now, is not as many people shot uh, on it. But, you know, this was the kind of tweaking, working with people, helping guys out. It, it, it was a really good class. And, and one of the things I want to talk about is a trend that I saw with the, these guys. Now, I, I noticed this and I mentioned it with the, with the, uh, like the John Pinch stuff and the Gunworks thing. Those guys were shooting like the six dasher with 26-inch barrel or more uh, in straight tapers. They're doing that 1.250 or 1.21, somewhere in there. But they're doing like a straight taper barrel, okay? Well, the Insight rifles, there was a ton of straight tapers. And man, it makes them heavy, but I'll tell you what, they're accurate as hell. I'm trying to think about it, and I had a conversation yesterday. Um, Yesterday was just super busy. I wanted to knock this out, and the phone kept ringing. And then on Monday, oh man, life got in the way. I got off the plane Monday. I had a little bit of time. As soon as I come home, 
uh, Kim tells me the AC is not working. Something happened with the AC. So I called the guy out on, and he ended up coming out at uh, on one o'clock on Monday. Had to fix my dang AC. So I didn't do the podcast because I was in and out back and forth with him. And you don't want to do it. And the guy's knocking on the door, ringing the doorbell. Hey, come on out. We could fix this. So I had to do like a contact and a motor, you know, a fan motor and stuff like that. The, the contact was all screwed up and then the fan motor was old. It was getting old, but they cleaned it up, replaced it, and everything worked. So that's what the delay on the podcast. But back to these straight tapers, man. Uh, you know, they're working really good. I I, I know the, the added weight is for the positional stuff and, and in the prone, it don't hurt you, you know, but I'm, I'm trying to develop and figure out that middle ground. So how do you get the effects of a straight taper but not have to use a straight taper all the way and the insight guys are messing with it and, and i'm not going to spill the bean well i guess i could they're in canada so i, I mean this the the straight taper thing and and i'm not taking credit for it but this is coming from the insight guys i think you got a little bit of a benefit here with the with the carbon fiber stuff think about a straight taper carbon fiber right you know, it, 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 it's it's something that they're exploring and working with and they're playing around. But I mean, and they also have a really cool kind of way they're playing with the barrels because they're not over coating the barrels, which, uh, you know, believe it or not. And I got stuff to go back to carbon fiber. When I went to Proof, Proof gave me a, a nice PowerPoint on all this stuff. They hooked me up with their PhD with a, a video conferencing and we went over all these different, you know, um, physical physics effects from the carbon fiber and stuff and actually an uncoated barrel heats up faster and, and cools slower than like a seracoated one and you know you'll get a, a it takes longer for that heat to dissipate from an uncoated barrel which seems kind of counterintuitive but that's a fact and so what these insight guys were doing they had this really neat design where it wasn't a complete barrel work but it was just enough to put something on there so they kind of got a happy middle ground but just seeing these rifles shoot the it, it, i mean no drama no issue it, it, it allowed the student to step up to their potential without being artificially suppressed by a rifle or accuracy problem you know what I mean? And that in a class is is really the 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 best situation you can ask for. You know you're not going to have rifle issues, you know, every unless it's a scope kind of thing, but you know that the rifles are more accurate than the majority of people on the line and that allows you to see them progress better where with some of these, you know, stock off the shelf things are breaking you know, loosening up or, or, or shaking apart, you know, there's that kind of thing. So, um, no, I'm just, I, I, I'm really psyched with what we did. We're already looking at next year for Canada. So you guys can get a hold of Insight Arms. I can't say enough, like I said, about the, I, I like the Jay Allen stocks that they're doing. I think I'm going to have to get myself a Jay Allen. It's funny. It, I remember when it was kind of like a vaporware, it, it was announced early on for the M14s and stuff like that. And they just never hit the shelf. And then they said, hey, we're going to do a 700 version. And it was years. And everybody kind of walked away from Jay Allen because they just never produced this stock. Well, now these stocks are everywhere. And they're super nice. They, they have really great features to them. I enjoyed because uh, Harlan's rifle and Andy's rifle both were, were off of Jay Allen. So I got to shoot them quite a bit. Those were my demo rifles. And it was it was a lot of fun. Um. 
you know, we, we, we got to shoot that stuff. I, I found it was funny. I was always like two to three tenths low on Harlan's rifle when I shot it. But man, it was a hammer. I was, I was shooting a, a target. And, and like I said, I was probably about two tenths low. But I had like this evil little group at 1,010 meter, you know, 10, 10 meters. And, and it was a nice little group in the wind. But I just being a little bit low. So from his group versus mine, had to get bumped up a little bit. But uh, again, uh, awesome experience with everybody there, full class. And it was actually kind of a short lead time. But because they went to their customers, you know, this was a value-added thing for Insight customers. They brought me up. They gave them the first choice at it. And we see this. We do corporate classes for other. We, we had the um, up in Alaska, we had the Davis Constructors. We do the Napa class. And it's not – I've done the um, the same thing, customer appreciation stuff with Mark Suley. He had one of his customers who bought like three, four rifles come out to my range, and we did a little bit of shooting and stuff together. So uh, it, it's a really good way to promote your brand, get, you know, give back to your customer because, I mean, they, they got a good deal for everybody, and they gave them cr- first crack at this class. And now it helps the, the, the student and their client – reach the potential of their rifle, you know, because the guys are doing a great job. I know Robert Great has helped them spin up, um, you know, good stuff with Robert coming up from Georgia to Canada and and, and help the guys, you know, look at how the, their processes of, of doing the barrels and actions and things like that. They got all the latest CNC stuff happening, which, man, CNC gunsmithing has just been so good. Uh, you, 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 I've seen so many great rifles come out of companies that are embracing the CNC technology. I know Mile High and they have it, um, you know, even with like going to uh, Accuracy International in New York, their barrels are coming out of a CNC, you know, all the Bartlands and stuff. I believe the Insight guys have been using Kriegers lately. They had a mix of Bartlands and they had Kriegers and then they said they use Hawk Hills. All good experience with all those barrels. So shout out to those guys for doing a great job with that stuff. But we had we had so much fun. There was uh, Steve there. Um, Steve shoots a, a Prairie Gunworks and he um, 308. Great shot. I mean, Steve's just fantastic with, with a 308. He owns it. And and we're sitting around talking about his, his rifle because he has it's a Coyote because it's a 308. But I've shot this same rifle. With the Canadian Cansoft guys, um, years ago down in Texas, uh, and they had it in three thirty eight. Well, it's a head. It's called the Headhunter for them, but then they have this kind of really cool little, you know, small stock folding skeletonized, and it's not a common one. I think it really you only can get it through Prairie Gunworks. I've never seen it aftermarket, but it fit me really well. And with their three thirty eights, I thought they were like one of the best feeling rifles for me. Well, they called the stock and like, wow, what is this stock? This is great. That stock's awesome. So I'm going to Steve and I'm like, yeah, that's stock. And he's all, yeah, I like the feel of this stock. And I said, yeah, that's the Terry Fox. He goes, what are you talking about? He said, it's a Terry Fox stock. Because I never heard that. So for you guys who don't know, Terry Fox is like a Forrest Gump kind of guy who ran across Canada, except he only had one leg. So he had an artificial leg and he ran across Canada with this artificial leg. So these Cansoft guys had told me this was called a Terry Fox because it looked like his leg. And then, you know, kind of little light bulb goes off and it's like, oh my God, you're right. That's a Terry Fox stock. So then, you know, Steve's kind of, he, he could take, he has a great sense of humor. Everybody's kind of giggling. Ah, Terry Fox, that's so funny. And I'm doing this goofy little thing. Well, then I said, dude, you're like Tink Tink. 
poor little Tink Tink. You know, you got to be in tune with your star player because a hater hates a winner. And, and, and I don't know if you guys ever, you got to just Google cat with a K Williams Tink Tink. And it's about Oscar Pretorius. And he does this bit about a guy with no feats running a foot race. And you don't want to be behind a guy with no feats in a foot race, you know. And they were talking about, and, it, and part of his, his, his whole act was about haters and stuff like that. And people who just come down on, on people who succeed and make them look bad. And that's a big premise of this act because Cat Williams is a little guy like me. We're about the same height. And um, so, you know, he's talking about being in tune with your star player because everybody's out to get you. You know, that, that, that and, and it's funny, his, his skit on Tink Tink. And he calls it Tink Tink because that's the sound the artificial running legs make on the ground. Tink Tink, Tink Tink Tink, Tink 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 Tink. And he has this really funny skit, man. So all weekend we were just hitting Steve up with that and we were calling him poor little Tink Tink. And then, and then we were, we were kind of uh, coming back and we, we, were, we were talking, I was talking with Bruce. Uh, shout out to Bruce. I don't think he listens to the podcast and I know he's not on Facebook. But Andy and Harlan hooked me up with Bruce out of Edmonton, who was kind of like my chauffeur and took me around. Super nice guy. I mean, meeting him is like I've known him for a long time. We had the same taste of music, you know, getting to jam a little bit of Boneyard and Hear Nation back from the car and, you know, talking about the different bands we saw. But Bruce was was a great guy. So he's like, we were talking about like, you know, just, you know, uh, prank kind of stuff. And the bullet hitting the steel, tink, 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 and, and, and doing the, the, you know, being in tune with your star player and poor little tink, tink. He, what? I got to register over there? Yeah, I'm here to register. What? There is no registration. Just what? Just Google Cat Williams tink, tink. You guys will get it and realize that was like the joke of the weekend talking about the Terry Fox stock, uh, you know, um. But yeah, totally, totally great time. I mean, lots of knowledge bombs, lots of fixing guys up and minor tweaks, man. It's the littlest tweaks that do the most. Uh, one of the guys, Tyler, there shooting a real short 300 wind mag. And he had a, a, a fat bastard break on it. But he's shooting, you know, this like 20 inch 300 wind mag. And everything's good. I kind of messed with his hand position a little bit and all that. And he's like, you know, the rifle's moving a little bada by, and I'm not quite sure. And it's like, all right, let me come over there. So I come over him. This with each guy, you know, it's easy to come up, camp out with him, let him do some shots. And it's like, oh, I got it. Come over here. So then, um, you know, I do this thing with my thumb where I stand my thumb up on my support hand along the back of the stock. Prevents it from fishtailing. Recoil follows the paths, path of least resistance. So if you give recoil an exit, recoil's going to take it and it's going to throw the rifle in that direction. And that exit can come from the support hand. That exit can come from the firing hand. If you're not consistent in supporting the rifle correctly with your firing hand, that's where it wants to escape from you and it jumps out of your hand or do something. Because we get a lot of guys trying to do still the fingertip standoff and things like that. And especially with guys floating the thumb. You know, the floating the thumb works great. I mean, I get it. We, we started it down at Rifles Only. That's where it came from. But I had found for me personally, and in, in in, in now the way the chassis are addressing this, 
Now, when I go to different positions and I want to grip the rifle, I'm moving that thumb. When I'm up and off my belly, the thumb will want to come around. When I'm, you know, in a prone, the thumb comes over. Now with some of the stocks, you can actually put some pressure, but you got to bring the rifle back into the shoulder pocket, especially when you're floating the thumb. You, You have to have the weight of the rifle pressure back into your shoulder pocket. Otherwise, recoil exploits it moves, you lose the shot. You, you, you're going to be off target. And remember, little goes a long way in the back. M- more movement in the back means more movement in the front, and it'll be off target. So that was something that I do this support with my hand, and, and I use a pincer movement on the back support hand. So thumb and forefinger supporting that stock makes a big difference for the guys. You know, minor tweaks. We had a shoulder thing. One guy was out a little farther, Mitch, uh, out a little farther on his shoulder pocket instead of in tighter, so we moved that. Uh, Alan with his AI, he he just didn't find, you know, a couple little things, getting people straight behind the rifle. He found sort of his cheek position wasn't quite comfortable. It was a little bit of off, and it was throwing him off a bit. So it was like, hey, wait a minute, you got an AI. He had an AT. All aftermarket barrels, he had straight tapers on there, like 28 inch, all this stuff, because he's a big time prone shooter. Guys tell me he goes to the range and shoots like six hours straight, you know, just at this local range he uses, prone and all this. So his rifle is almost set up like an F-class rifle, but it's an AI. So as we're talking and looking at his position and using one of those uh, really good um, adjustable rear bag, Mark and Sam thing or something, it's an F-class rear bag uh, with the, the tunable height. You know, and he's using that all good, but he he wasn't quite happy cheek. So I said, wait a minute. I loosened up his, his, uh, cheek rest on the AI slid it out. And I said, look, screws underneath, slide them over a little bit and let's move your cheek piece left or right and fix that and get it in a comfortable spot. And he was like, light bulb, ho, I didn't even know that the AI cheek piece had adjustability to move it left or right underneath there's two screws with the oblong you know slots in there and you can adjust that that cheek piece for your head position to get it straight and in line with the rifle he was leaned over a little well move him over move the cheek over now he can line his rifle up directly behind the scope and he's in a much more comfortable position it's minor guys it's small i mean I, yeah, there's a loud megaphone. There's a you know a lot of talk between the internets, the podcast, all these different things, and you know it sounds bigger than it is. But think about this: it's ten percent, man. It could be ten percent with my PRS rants. It could be ten percent with some of these other rants. Ten percent in our game is huge. Okay, ten percent at a thousand yards is probably a miss for a lot of guys. It, it, it's it's all this stuff that we're looking at. And so that's why we're we're trying to let these guys shoot better, be more comfortable longer, and and increase their accuracy. If you're not fatiguing, you're not falling apart. And that means in a two-day match, you don't have a good first day and a really crappy second day. You know, it's, it's, it's about, I mean, all these things come into play. Your nutrition, your hydration. You're, 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 you know, physically and stuff, how, how that goes, because you got to feed the brain, you got to feed the body, you got to do all these things to make yourself better longer. It's a sport. 
It's athleticism. You know what I mean? Football scene started. Not that everybody's going to be into that because of the protests, but less is better now. Whatever. I'm not going to get into that part of it. But you know what I'm saying? And then what's the other part of being that pro athlete kind of thing? How well they can hammer in, do the fundamentals subconsciously. You want the fundamentals to be something you don't have to think about. You're just doing them over and over. And that's repetition, right? That's that 3,000 reps to learn a new uh, a new skill. That's 9,000 reps or so to fix a bad habit. All those things that come into play when we're shooting the rifle. For us, it's, it's a hobby. It's, it's, it's a guy going on Saturday to get away from the family and playing golf. Well, we're just doing it with a rifle. But there's still... An, an element of it that can't be overlooked. And that's that's the athletic part of things. Shooting's an Olympic sport. And it's been for, I think, 100 years or so now of, on, in some form. So that's why we, we want to do these things to get you comfortable, to get the fundamentals to be subconscious and all that stuff and to make sure it works out for everybody. But thank you to everybody up there. It was a great time. It, it it was really really fun. We had a, we had a blast. Great hotel, and right there in the parking lot of the hotel, we had a Brown Social and a Rock Creek. Every night, everybody was at Brown Social or Rock Creek, depending on the um you know how busy it was. We were all together. We're all talking stories, learning you know all these different things, and they were real good shooters in the class. Man, these guys shot fantastic. Cool. All right, couple other things going on. I came back and um. So uh, Jim Boatwright and Gus Rue is a Patagonia Ballistics and Jim does the bullets and stuff like David's looking at. Came out with a new article where they're re- they're reassessing how they do spin drift for ballistic calculators. And they've actually trying to get it to match up to the six DOF, the, you know, the, the PRODAS, P-R-O-D-A-S programs that they use to try to calculate this stuff. It's a simulator program. It's a six degree of freedom. Takes a lot of horsepower. But this is where they they simulate and they try to get the numbers. Well, Jim's got a lot of articles. The the coning theory, the 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 yawn repose stuff that he's doing, the aerodynamic jump, crosswind aerodynamic jump. Jim's looked at this, uh, you know, with this coning theory and the variations and where the where the bullets oriented based off of this stuff. Well, their new calculations and their new way of figuring out spin drift has a, once again, this is the second time now, second time I've seen guys using computer horsepower and doing this stuff. They're reducing the numbers as much as three and a half inches less of what Brian calculated. And they have every, they're comparing to Brian and not in an antagonistic way. This is just fact-based stuff. I'm just... Relaying the facts, I'm not doing that, but I've been saying forever, they're overestimating this. They're overestimating this, you know, and part of it is because there's us element to it. Right-handed shooters tend to pull the rifle to the right. The right-handed guys tend to cant the rifle to the right. You got different effects with wind, all this different stuff, like, leads to people confusing this with spin drift. You know what I mean? And, you know, there's a, there's a left-right wind effect. There's all these things. But now these guys are starting to refine these numbers. And it's getting smaller yet again. It dropped one block already. It dropped from like 10 and change to like 9 and change. And what they're saying too 
Faster, lighter bullets pushed harder are drifting less. So this one minute is no longer the right answer. They're actually down at it like I you know, with with the smaller calibers, the six fives and stuff, they're actually down at like sixty percent you know, of what has been out there. So instead of this, you know, one minute time of flight, yada yada at a thousand yards, with these faster cows, they're kind of saying it's in this five five to six inch zone, if not a little bit less. So it's getting smaller. With one of the monolithic solids they're doing, okay, the 173 grain solid that's going to be coming out, they're looking at three inches at a thousand yards, okay? So, I mean, it just goes to show that this is not a straight line. This isn't something you can flat rate. Yeah, I get it. It doesn't hurt everybody because there's a potential that you're putting you into it. So it's helping you as well. I mean, I used to remember guys coming to class at rifles only and we'd tell them not to worry about it. And a guy would say, well, you know, I used to have a hard time doing this and doing that until I started adding that that spin drift and they started adding like a quarter minute at 400 yards. You know, at 800, they were a half a minute and at a thousand, they were a full minute. And, and, you know, they're saying, I was never able to hit targets till I started doing that. And it's like, yeah, that's because your trigger control sucks. You know, and then you come to the guy and he's tapping the trigger and doing all kinds of stuff or crushing and, and things like that. But, um, you know, now we're looking at it where these variables and I, I threw an email out to him and I said, I said, hey, man, now I want us to because they did it all with like 30 cal mainly. But I want to start seeing it with different twist rates because they went standard twist, twist rate wise. What happens if you're doing a one in 10 and not a one in 12? Okay. What, you know, what's what's happening with some of the speeds? Because they're doing, you know, 175 at 2600. Well, they're saying it's velocity-based, has a value to it too. What happens if you're 2700 on that? What does that reduce the number to? Because I think all these things are going to factor in. They show a directly proportional correlation to bullet weight and all, you know, all these different things. So I highly recommend... In the ELR long-range section, all Jim's articles are published on Sniper's Hide. If you want to read this stuff, all the formulas, all his published stuff, I have it on Sniper's Hide. So you don't have to take my word. You don't have to listen to me. All you got to do is go on to Sniper's Hide, download his articles or open them up, and read what Gus and Jim Boatwright are saying. Like I said, that was the, uh, the bullet. Uh, I believe Nate was shooting Jim Boatwright's new custom monolithic bullet when he did the, you know, twice world record event at uh, at a um, front site there at Shot Show, and you know David's starting to do the nose ring on a lot of his bullets and stuff like that, and he's also going to be going with his 33 caliber to the Boatwright style bullets, which are coming from Warner Tool. So this has merit in a lot of things because Jim is a huge advocate of solids. You can do so much more with a solid than you can with a jacketed bullet. And that goes to show, you know, what we're talking, they're saying a nine inches of drift with a 175, but, you know, jacketed bullet, a 118 LR, and then they're saying three inches of drift with a 173 solid huge difference guys we're talking six inches of difference in just by you know switching from this jacket to a solid that's big in 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 what what we're dealing with here so it's it's worth your while to read this i wish guys would start 
pushing the loading of salads and I, I wish the price can come down so more people can see the benefits of shooting a solid over shooting these jacketed bullets or at least changing the jacket technology, thickening, thickening up the jacket for our target stuff and kind of playing with the lead underneath so we don't have the voids and the slipping and the problem. If we go a little bit more on the jacket, jacket technology is where it's going to be at. You know, if they can sort that out and the people put effort into it and don't go thinner but go a little thicker, I really think we can we can start kind of bridging it where we, we're price versus performance, you know. But, uh, I mean, we're seeing changes all the time. Guys going back to these heavy rifles, 21, 22 pounds, you know, for a, a competition but tactical-looking rifle. They're going super heavy again. And, and it's almost like an F-class rifle but in a tactical stock. And so that's that that's an interesting little thing that that I think um you know we're starting to see more and more of. Where are these trends going? What trends are you looking at? You know, what are you seeing the benefits of? What are you seeing people around you doing different? It, it's 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 fascinating uh, uh, with the with the social media, the site, technology, you know all that stuff that we're 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 starting to kind of gel and 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 communicate better and put all this out. You got the guys working on the software in in the math side of things. You got the guys building a better mousetrap with the rifles. You got new bullet technology coming out, powders, things like that, brass. What you know the one guys were on the line. They were shooting a lot of Peterson brass. Oh, yeah, I was doing this with Lapua. Now I'm using Peterson. Boom, boom, boom. This is what's going on with this now. I see better results, you know, way I'm loading things. Because it's speed, right? We, we're, we're looking at the speed. We're looking at the BCs. And again, we, we went back to truing that stuff. With some of the guys, we're switching things up, switching barrels. I had a 685 target. I had a um, like an 8 and change. And then I had like a 951. I'd get them on the 685 and I tweak the muzzle velocity just a little bit, like 25 feet per second. Maybe 35 was an average of the muzzle velocity tweak at 685. Then I take them up to the hill to eight. I tweak the eight meters. I take the eight meter, uh, 100 meter, and I tweak the BC till now it lines up. Tweaking the BC doesn't really mess up your short range, right? So now I got. The, the short range muzzle velocity lined up, the long range BC lined up. When we're going to the nine and further, hit, 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 hit. We're spot on with the software, piece of cake, we're done. Um, one thing I got to look, because I don't use them, I got to figure out how to tweak the custom curves, man. I thought it was in the software and they can do that, but in the Kestrel, we couldn't find, and I'll, I'm going to have to reach out to Kestrel, because Kestrel um, just reached out to me. They're going to be having a, a bigger presence on Sniper's Hide. If you need to talk to Kestrel, you're going to be able to go to Sniper's Hide, ask them the question, and they're going to answer that. So they're working that right now. Basically, they're going to have a customer service section in the forum on Sniper's Hide. So that way there, they can they can help interact with you guys. How great is that? You know, so um, that's one thing. I'm, I talked to him yesterday about that uh, a little bit. But I couldn't figure out how to change the custom curve off that 1.0. And we needed to with a couple people. 
So I got to go back in and look at that. Like I said, I don't use them. I use the straight BCs and then I'm tweaking them for me. And and that's working out really good. So, you know, five, 600 yards, tweak your BC, your muzzle velocity a little bit. 800 yards and beyond, tweak the BC to match. And we're finding these, you know, the Kestrels, the ABs and all that stuff is working really well for guys. Um, it, it's We're doing it quicker. And it's 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 lasting, you know what I mean. And we're taking it out beyond. We're taking it out to distance. So we had targets out to um, 1600 meters. We had that 438 meters. Guys were were just laying out, and and we're seeing that this method is fast and easy, and and it doesn't require a lot of work. I mean, I'm I'm doing these guys uh, software on the fly, handing it back to them, walking away, coming back down the line, and they're saying, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm spot on." So I, I think we, we got a good method going on there. And it's funny too, because when I tweaked the BC and I did that, there was one case of wind and it was calling for like three mils of wind. And I'm like, nah, that seems like a lot. I think we're going to be in a bit of a shadow there. And, you know, I started out with two and I called it uh, like a two mil hole just because I, I, the way I thought the terrain was. When it was done, it was three mils of wind. That was right. My call was off. The computer was right. So I felt really good about that, that I built the track on the fly. I tweaked it using my method and found that the, and I turned off the first wind zone. I used only the second wind zone, you know, uh, WS1 versus WS2. I turned one off, used two. Two gave me 2.9. It was right. It was there. And, and mainly because... I adjusted the BC by such a big degree, you know, uh, we're, we're talking like instead of a, um, you know, a 2.43, it might be a 2.30, things like that. So remember, those BCs are an average off of what they shot. They're still just an average at a given distance for what they did. It's not your rifle. So don't be afraid to tur- to adjust the BC for you. And it's not the manufacturer lying at you. It's just their system was different and their conditions were different than yours. And that's all it is. It's 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 no big deal. I, I, I refuse to get down on a manufacturer over BC numbers because that is an average and yet usually 2,800, 300 yards, give or take. You know what I mean? That's usually the average. We're shooting much farther now. So we want that 800-yard average like Hornaday's doing. I've talked about this forever. Hornaday Doppler's out. They get a great track to 1,500, and then they bring the average back for 800. That's what get published. But, you know, and they also do the banding numbers. You got Mach 2.5, 2.0, and 1.5. So you can get those banded numbers if you use something like JBM because you could put a banded B or the ones that give you those banded BCs. Uh, Bullet Flight, a couple others will let you do banded BCs. Hornaday has them on their website. So that's really a good kind of deal for everybody to help kind of line these up with less work. But speaking of software too, man, Traceout's looking good right now. I am psyched with Desert Tech and their new developers doing with Traceout. It's working. It's firing on all, all systems. I know there was that gap when they lost that guy and he went to the gambling site and they didn't replace him. And then we had... The guy who came in and replaced him, he actually reached out to me and I pushed him over to Desert Tech. And um, the software is spot on again. So if you're interested in software that doesn't need a lot of tweaking, that's going to, hopefully Gus is going to not only pass his stuff off from Cold Bore, 
but he's also will pass it over to Traceal so they can update the engine with the same spin drift stuff that he's doing. The more they reduce this, the happier I am because that's my real world experience that it's less. You know what I'm saying? It, it's definitely something that we were overdoing it. And, you know, you try to tell that to people and they argue, but the book says, but the book says, but the book says, yeah, I'm telling you the book ain't right. And three and a half inches is nothing to sneeze at. And that's all I got to say on that, right? That's all I got to say about that, Terra Fox. All right, guys, I'm going to cruise this and be done. Sorry for the delay. Sorry for taking so long. My schedule's just crazy. I'm living on an airplane. I'll be on an airplane again. I'll be at the Precision Rifle Expo this weekend. If you're be safe with the hurricane, you guys in the Carolinas and Virginia, going to hit Paris Island, probably right over there, Camp Lejeune, all that stuff. You guys be safe. Make sure that you're there. If you can't evacuate, go south to Georgia. Come on over to the Precision Rifle Expo. Instead of thinking about what's happening to your house and windows, you can come and hang out with us at the expo. All right, guys, I will talk to you soon, and I'll get another one knocked out for you before I take off. Uh, that way you don't have this such a big a gap. Uh, uh, but um, And then um, I know Mike was trying to get a hold of me this weekend. He reached out. He's like, oh, what are we doing? You know, we going to do this weekend? Nope, man, Georgia. You know, so uh, maybe I'll get Mike to knock something out over the weekend and give it a try uh, now that he's he's in his new place. So he should be pretty much moved in and he's got all the equipment to get set up so we can have Mike have a conversation with you guys when I'm away and it'll be less of a gap. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sticking with us. Really appreciate it. Cheers.